This is Comic Picks by the Glick. And I'm your host, Jason Glick. Good evening, Jason Glick. How the hell are you? Oh, I'm doing good. Just like, you know, coming off, like, you know, the fact that we're no longer at Fanime. We've got like 25 more of these podcasts to go before we're back at Fanime. <laughs> yes, is it not true? We're on the other side here. Yeah, uh, so like if anyone was doubting that, you know, like I really, really like this convention after that mash note of a post I made last, um, last week, last two weeks ago. No, really, we like Fanime that much. Yeah, it's just always a lot of fun. What do you have in store for us tonight? Okay, well, instead of, um, like, you know, crazy-ass shit from Japan, I've got some um, really good stuff inspired by Japan. In fact, um, it's one of the longest-running ongoing series um, at this point, um, after, like, having run for almost, for over, what, almost or over, over 30 years um, at this point. And I'm talking about um, um, Stan Sakai's Usagi Yojimbo. I got the um, most recent volume of the series, um, or really the latest, most recent storyline he's done. Like um, before, I went to Fanime and read it while I was at the convention and reread it earlier today. I'll be going in about um, going on about Senso later on, but I just want to talk about the uh, the uh, series itself um, before I get into into that because Usagi Yojimbo is you know it's it's got a deceptively simple simple premise. It's about a it's about a um, Ronin in the 17th century Japan that is also a rabbit. And also, and he's, he, works, he lives in a world that is populated by lots of, by all sorts of anthropomorphic um, you know, char- characters. You know, talk, like talking rhinos, cats, um, bats, um, wolves, all that, all that kind of stuff. And it's, and it's, it's, a, it's been a, and um, even if you look at this, oh, it's just a bunch of, it's a silly talking animal comic. No, because you have to like engage in this discussion whenever you talk about Usagi Yojimbo. No, it is not a simple you know, talking animal comic. It is a. It's like as the Dark Horse volumes go on about in every single volume, it is a masterful adaptation of the of samurai legend to sequential art. Because you know, after you've been doing this for over thirty years, it's like there, you accrue a certain amount of greatness just by just by virtue of exist, existing that long. Now Usagi himself, he's basically just a, he's a ronin, he's a ronin, a masterful samurai, after his um, lord, um, Mifune, was killed at the Battle of the Dachikahara Plain. And um, after, it's like, and, and ever since then, he's just been, you know, just wandering the countryside, going on the warrior's pilgrimage to hone his skills as, as a samurai. And this leads him to all sorts of interesting troubles, because he's a busybody, he loves to poke his nose in everything, whether or not it's the uh, affairs of a, um, it's like, it's like a bounty of a bounty hunter rhino named named Gen, a, um, a it's like a, a like a fox thief named named Kitsune, the affairs of the um, god damn it, what's it called? Oh, the, the affairs of the um, of the kingdom that he's always working. It's like working for. It's like oh, the Geishu clan. It's like um, run by. But run by the panda, Nor- um, Lord Noriyuki. It's like, and his um, ever capable ass- assistant, um, to- Lady Tomoe, who is also kind of a, you know, maybe might be um, love interest for for Usagi. It's like, and and also just and just like um, either he, when he's returning home, when he's just like you know, want, just like um, encountering a bunch of people who've been killed or like fending off from from bandits. It's like there's all sorts of like stuff that Usagi can get get into that he all, 
there's always a story to tell. And like Sakai's aim with Usagi is basically to re- to, to um address like every last little bit of Japanese um culture and mythology in the series. So even though the series has run for over two hundred issues at this point, it's like he he can literally keep doing this until the day he dies. Because you know there's just so much you know, stuff in the Edo period of Japan to recontextualize for for American audiences, or just to make you know, interesting stories of. It's like in the mean. It's like in the meantime. It's like just where they're talking about, you know, like either just like displaying the tea ceremony, talking about a uh, magic ink that makes that makes kaiju, uh, bringing in uh, like a baby Godzilla as your. It's like at, as your story. Sorry, talking about the importance of the samurai swords. I'm um, showing showing you how, showing how they're created. Um, talking about you know the training that someone must go to in order to become a samurai. Samurai, the um, describing the bonds that um, people that um, samurai have with their lords. I mean, all this stuff. And um, Sky, you know, after two hundred issues, two hundred plus issues, he's. I mean, like there's some familiar familiar motifs and all, but he's never really gone and repeat repeated himself. I mean, yes, I will concede that you know sometimes the storytelling storytelling can be simple. Sometimes, like you know, there are characters who will just you know the um, plot points right on their head to the point where, yeah, hey, I know that. Uh, you don't need to um, spell it out for me right in the context of the story. But after going going on for so long, you know, Usagi accrues a simple amount of, hey, you know, it's a simple story. It, it's simple. It's simple execution, you know, lies consistency. I mean, I can probably count on um, on one hand the times I've been disappointed by, by an Usagi story. Just, just the fact that you, know, hey, I like, hey, even there are points where I'm like, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of like you know, on the head. But at the same time, you know, just, um, just like a lot of the, the simple, simple pleasure of a storytelling of a good story told competently and straightforwardly. It's like, you know, that earns you a lot, of, a lot of goodwill over when you do it as often and for as long as as Dan Sakai has. I mean, it's like. I'll always remember like the um, the longer stories that he does, um, like Usagi Ujimbo Book Four, when the Dragon Belt cons- conspiracy, where where Usagi has to um, team up with um, with with his buddy Gen, um, the um, the Blind Swords Pig Zato Ino, um, Tomoe from, from the Geishu Clan, and the Neko Ninja. The um, there are several different ninja clans in Usagi. There's the Neko Ninja, which are the Cat Ninja, the Komori Ninja, which are the Bat Ninja with Razor blades on their wings, and the Mogura ninja, which are the moles, who haven't been seen, I think, since uh, volume uh, ten, I believe. But that's kind of like you know, breadth that he gives us gives us series. But just you know, th- that kind of that kind of story. It was his first extended storyline. It was just so much fun seeing all these um, characters that he's established, um, you know, come together and just bounce off each other in, like, in for a story that basically had the fate of Japan. Um, resting in their resting in their hands, it's like and it's like and I'll, but but for my money though, like the best one is the um what story that won um Sakai the Eisner for best ongoing story, Grass Cutter, um named after the uh, like the the like the sword that was one of the three um honor like three um national treasures of Japan. It's like this is this is a story about how um eight. Like eight feudal lords employed, like employed a witch to try and try and um, bring the sword um, back. It's like back from the depths of the de- depths of the sea to so that they could try and restore the restore the emperor to power 
and um, have them have themselves rule in his in his stead. As things work out, um, Usagi gets his hands on gets his hands on the sword first, and all sorts of fun chaos erupts erupts from there. It's like especially once um, his um, longtime nemesis um, Jay, um, the Blade of the Gods, um, comes in comes into the story, and also with um, like Tomoe and um, her lord Noriyuki wind up um, having to seek help during this like during this um, storyline from from a former general who was. It's like who once fought against um, Lord um, Noriyuki's father, but then um, had to hide out as a, as a peasant in order to um, like avoid retribution. It's like it's a great um, epic storyline that um, has lots that has lots of lots of moving parts. It's lots of um, future storylines, so including a direct sequel, Grasscutter Two, which you think like, hey, you know, okay, you've you've already like established a series high point. You won an Eisner for it. Why would you go and do a sequel for it? But you know, he he actually sets up the sequel, um, like in the context of the story itself. Because like, you know, after they've got Grasscutter back, what do you do with it after it's been recovered? You have to find a way to um, find a way to get it out of everyone's hands and um, prevent it from being used for um for ill. It's like later, it's like later on, and um, so they get so Usagi and his um and his companions get the idea to just um. Drop it off at at Suda Shrine, where the imitation grass cutter is being held, and um, so that the you know, people will think that the uh, real grass cutter is um now the uh, it's like is the is the fake sword and prevent it from being misused for future for future purposes. But overall, it's like I mean, like a lot of these like said, Sagi Jimbo has been going on for like almost 30, 30 years and almost thirty volumes at this point. In fact, I just think like they're coming. Like on the next volume, which is two hundred Jizo, um, that will be uh, arriving. Yeah, volume twenty nine. That will be out. Um, let's see, uh, a week from now, according to um, Diamond, and um, I'm not going to buy it because hey, I go to Comic Con. I can just get volume twenty nine directly from Stan Sakai himself, which is awesome because he always. All the books and um, stuff he issues, he signs. Um, he, he has for sale at Comic Con are usually signed by the man himself. And yeah, if you if you're at Comic Con this year, definitely drop by his booth because he's a really nice guy. Always open to um talk talking about stuff as well. And um oh, and uh, before I uh, start diving into stuff, one thing I want to mention is that Usagi is also one of the few series that I actually um, buy in single issue and trade paperback formats. This is all because that for years, um, the uh, trade paperbacks he he's adhered to a strict one trade paperback a year um, rule, which um, you know it's like which has which has eventually led I guess the uh, his series to run far behind the uh, like the, uh, the serialized issues. So the thing is, when I heard that um, Jay um, Usagi's um, supernatural nemesis was coming back, I figured okay. Fuck this! I'm not going to um, wait for the trooper back. I'm going to go buy this now because Jay, he's one of the few. Um, I don't want to say super villains, but he's one of the few few real um, antagonists who uh, are villain or just straight up villains who actually still mean something in the comic book industry. Because um, all in after he, he appeared once in um, volume three as kind of a um, a guy who just like who was. Under the influence of the gods, just saying, "Oh, it's like the gods have decreed you, Miyamoto Usagi, like are evil and must die." And it's like you don't want to find one off. It's like, hey, you know, like if we never saw this 
guy again, you know, that'd be that'd be fine. But then he showed up in um, volume six, um, kidnapping this one um, kid, um, Jotaro, because the gods told him that um, he was the key to uh, finding um, to finding Usagi's weakness. And thing is, it turns out that hey, Jotaro is actually Usagi's son, and it's been an ongoing um, plot thread over the years that you know that even though they, they both know that um, Usagi knows that Jotaro is his son and Jotaro knows that Usagi is his father, but they don't know the other guy knows that. And this all found its root in um, Volume 6. So so Jay shows up and um, Harold's just like, big plot development here. Then, um, I mean, he pops up again after Volume 6 in here and there after he, and also after he picks up this um, wandering ward known as um, Keiko because um, he he, he Jay kills everyone except Keiko because um, he because for what, some reason he saw no evil in her and she's been following him ever since because you know Jay killed her grandparent and um, she has nowhere else to go and and Jay shows up again in Grass Cutter and you know that shows you that you know, this is a big fucking deal because he gets the sword he's unable to reconsecrate it himself and um, decides to take on um, Usagi just because he feels that, you know, hey, as soon as I kill this guy, I'll be worthy of my place amongst amongst the gods. Jay uh, actually undergoes a dramatic transition um, at, after the events of Grasscutter to the point where he has to take over another body, that of a swordswoman named In- Inazuma. And if I'm being honest, um, Inazuma, the um, Jay as Inazuma thread is probably the only time I've really been disappointed by Usagi. Because after um, this, this, this thread is kind of um, played out, you know, when, um, you, you, it's played out in a way that, you know, like, Inazuma, um, she's not entirely, like, um, Jay is kind of like, he's fighting Inazuma's mind for control over, full control over her body, and so you figured that, you know, this storyline would end with her, you know, finally saying, you know, no, it's like, even after all I've done, I don't want to, um, be the host to this, um, evil, evil demon who is doing what he claims is the god's will. And you figure that she would cast him out and um, be done with it. That doesn't quite happen, but the uh, storyline that it does happen with actually um, has one of my favorite Usagi stories, in since it gives us something that we that I never ever thought we'd see, and that would be Jay's origin, which is a great bit of misdirection if you don't know what's coming, which, you know, just forget everything I said right now, because that's, you know, you're not supposed to know that. Anyway, so, so that's so I mean like that. Like I said, that's that. Those are, that's like the, one of the only f- the few times I've been really disappointed by Usagi. Now, I wrote last year about how um, after a, after 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 a while off, Stan was coming back to Usagi after um, you know taking time off for personal reasons and also to illustrate the. Uh, the um, 47 Ronin story written by um, Mike Richardson, Dark Horse's publisher. The story that he decided to come back with um, Senso, uh, I had deep misgivings about once it was announced. In the sense it was, it was supposed to be the, uh, the uh, fi- talk about how the final battle between Usagi and the Geishu clan against the evil uh, Lord Hikiji and his army was interrupted by, get this, Martians, all of the like the, the Martians from H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, you know, they just sent, sent some scouts that wound up in feudal Japan and just completely um, stole the narrative away from this 
from um, Musagi and his it's like and like and his longtime nemesis one of his longtime nemesis. It's now here's the thing. Usagi does not have a dedicated ongoing storyline. I mean there's but at the same time though, it has you know several um recurring villains. Jay is one of them, Lord Hikiji is the other. And he's always working in the shadows, trying to find ways to um, overthrow the shogunate and um take Japan, and um secure rule of Japan for himself. So, you know, even though there's no real ongoing storyline, you'd figure that hey, if Sakai wanted to do like a big final um balls out um, finale to Usagi, you'd have to you realize that you know, hey, one of the, the story would have to revolve around one of these guys, or maybe both, as I as I would think. So I imagine that you know the final story would involve a game, Jay, uh, uh, Lord Hikiji, um, team up, like at like in the end. But um, no, that's not what happens. Senso, um, have, after have after ever finally read it, it's like. You know, it's still got, you know, the same, you know, solid, um, solid craft and attention to detail that Sakai is known for, like, in terms of, like, attention to detail in, in Japan, and also just, like, with the character, with his character. So, like, Senso takes place 15 years ahead of the current story, time period that, that Isagi is currently set in. And, um, yeah, you know, we found out that Isagi has decided to hook up with the Geishu clan after all. In fact, um, Jay, I'm down, sorry. Gen has hooked up with the with the Genshu clan as well, and even um, like Jotaro was working for as well. So all the good guys working for the Genshu clan, um, and we found out that you know the uh, that, um, Lord Takeshi's schemes have finally um, have finally been exposed, and now the Shogun has ordered the Genshu clan to crush the rebels. And um, while this is while the battle um, is kind of going, the, the battle goes difficult. Difficult, difficulty at first, but then um, Gen and Jotaro um, help turn the tide, and um, then the uh, Martians show up, and you get War of the Worlds, um, feudal, um, feudal Japan style. I'm not saying that this, is, this isn't an entertaining approach, and there's lots of interesting bits, like you know, from from Usagi um, and Tomoe just you know addressing you know what their what their lives could have been like if they'd actually find you know confess their love to each other. Um, and also the, the many, many deaths that occur in the course of this story, including, um, well, let's say if you were hoping that um, Usagi was going to like a final knockdown drag out battle with Jay, um, Sky basically, ha- basically t- t- has that go, um, yeah, that's not happening. In fact, Jay's fate is kind of a, um, it's, it's almost kind of treated as a, as a throwaway joke in this, like in this volume. Um, Hikiji's um, fate is a bit more interesting interesting considering it pits him against um lord his advisor the snake lord heavy but you know it's like i guess what it comes down to is senso is that if you um if you honestly didn't care about what um the final usagi ojimbo arc was going to be like then you're not gonna have a problem with this i mean you know it's like like sakai basically like talk, um probably looked at what he uh, um like the idea that you know, hey, maybe his story would have to end, you know, facing off as with Shaggy face off against Jay or Lord Kishi. But you know, what would be more interesting? Oh wait, what if I did something completely different and had Usagi facing off against Martians? In fact, he basically says almost says as much in the introduction to this to this to this volume, which basically is a three page fun. A uh, fun four-page comic, which he has Musagi um, confronting um, confronting Sakai 
over um, the idea of um, the uh, Martians um, fight um, like being the main villains of the story. It's actually it's actually quite fun and quite and clever, and like does a good job of it did a good job of alleviating most of my fears like for the story. But at the same time, I couldn't get past my 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 overall feelings that you know this is that that a lot that if there was any through line to be taken from Usagi so far. Is that you know a like a, any kind of final conflict had to stem from the ongoing conflicts between Jay and Lord Hikishi. So I so I mean overall Senso was kind was ultimately a disappointment. I mean, it's not not bad by any means. I mean a good Asagi story is still still better than most other people's best efforts. And even then there's a um there's a fun bit at the end where we find out that about the uh, secret weapon that, that that's been prepared to take on the Martians, which you know hey if if Bandai, if you're paying attention, you know I, w- I don't buy any Gundam models, but I would buy this, this thing that's featured at the end, in the final chapter of Um Senso in a heartbeat. So hey, like get on it right now. Go go read Usagi. That's all I can say. So, but at the same time though, you know Senso is kind of like the um the end of the cycle for Usagi. So you know we have the ending, and to be honest now, you know I don't want to sound morbid or anything, but Sakai. You know, he's he's getting up in his ears, so I just wonder, you know, what you know, what happens if this if he if he dies before the the uh, series ends? But you know, hey, now we've got this, we've got the end of the series, so don't need to worry about what happens next. And true to form, Sakai has gone back to putting out a soggy on a um, mostly monthly basis. Um, it's published ten issue ten issues yearly um, from Dark Horse, and so hey, you've got the final story, so hey, we can just go ahead and enjoy the uh, series on a. It's like as it comes out again. So I'm cool with that. At the same time, though, it's like, you know, Senso, yeah, not all it could be, but definitely not a bad read. Okay. John, um, any thoughts on your end? Um, yeah, I was, uh, uh, I don't know if you had um, uh, discussed this or I don't remember. Um, I, there's so many different versions of Asagi Yojimbo that I seem to see out there. Uh, are, are they all made by the same? They're all made by the Stan Sakai, right? Yeah. Um. Every everything um from from Sakai. Everything Usagi is um comics wise has been from Sakai himself. I mean, it's the way it's worked over the years that volumes one through seven were initially published by Fanographics. Then and they're still published by Fanographics today. Um. Then Asagi went over to a Mirage Studios. Um, the Ninja, Ninja Turtles guys at the t- at the time, and then he went over to then he went over to Dark Horse, which has been um, his publisher for the last for the last two decades now. I do want to bring up the Ninja Turtles connection a bit because you saw he was featured um, as an action figure first um, from Kevin because apparently um, Kevin Eastman. I, was a, one of the creators, Kevin Eastman or Peter Laird of Ninja Turtles, was a big fan of Usagi um, back when it debuted in the eighties, and said and when. Uh, and from what I hear, it's like he called up Sakai and said, "Hey, do you want your own action, fi- action figure?" He said, "Sure." And apparently, Usagi even got a got a guest starring role on an episode of the um, of the old Ninja Turtles cartoon from the uh, from the nineties. And and also, it's worth noting that the um, first Dark Horse volume, um, Shades of Death, features an honest to god crossover um, between Usagi and the Ninja Turtles after they're summoned to um, Usagi's realm to um, prevent the uh, capture of a uh, of a rat. Of a, it's like of a rat sorcerer who can um, you know, do the stuff that like summon nin- the Ninja Turtles to like to Usagi's world. It's like, it, yeah, it may have, it's 
may come off as kind of a uh, cheap salesman, but um, it actually works really well. Um, in like in the context context of the story itself, the only drawback is that apparently it refers to a uh, story that is exclusive to one of the um, old Usagi hardcovers called the Treaty, which apparently he met um, Leonardo for the first time. So it was so that was actually that was actually quite cool though. So yeah, I, um, but yeah, basically everything has Usagi Ujimbo on on the spine. Yeah, it's been written it's been written and illustrated by by Sakai over the years. Okay, well that sounds pretty cool. Um, at least it gives me a place to I know where I can kind of start at least if I wanted to start reading these. Yeah. Oh, the other thing is that you know, well the uh, well, Phanographics says. Um, Publishes the volume um, books one through seven as single volumes. Dark Horse has been has begun republishing um, their volumes of Usagi as the Usagi Yojimbo Saga. So you basically get like um, multiple volumes in one. Oh, well, that's so, cool. That's definitely yeah. cool. All right. Yeah. So they that's that's kind of the trend. I mean, like, hey, you get more like um, more for your money, and also retailers have um less. Less to track over the years. Let's exactly. let's track in inventory as well. Exactly. Cool. Do you know what you're going to be talking about next week? Well, we're going from um, like um, samurai bunny rabbits in in, in feudal Japan to um, to spider pigs in the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Um, the talking about like um, Dan Slot's Dan Slot and Company's big Spider Verse crossover. Okay. Well, that sounds exciting, and uh, we'll catch you all next time on Comic Picks by the Glick. All right, laters. All right, bye.